heard across the Resonate Regional Radio Network. It's my time, it's my life. I hope you will come along. This is Rural Queensland Today with Ben Dobbin. Good morning and welcome to Rural Queensland Today on the Resonate Broadcast Network. Ben Dobbin with you. Happy 1st of November, the first Tuesday of November. It's Melbourne Cup Day. That's right, the Lexus Melbourne Cup and a huge race, the race that stops the nation. Uh, for anybody who is really looking for something, uh, I don't in any way want to be telling you who to, but Stockman, gee whiz, you'd have to have a go at that, wouldn't you? A lot of people. Uh, uh, the, the big one everybody is talking about, um, obviously, and it's the, the horse that a lot of people to me, um, have mentioned to me, and th- that is, and, and I'm, and I'm thinking, is Gold Trip. Gold Trip is the horse that a lot of people, to me, have uh, been saying is a smoky. Um, but listen, I have no idea. I am uh, could arguably be the worst punter in the world. So enjoy your day wherever you are. Uh, we've got a huge show for you. Warren Honky joins us very shortly. We're going to catch up with Richard Forbes, the Chief Executive Officer of the Independent Food Distributors of Australia. We'll also talk um, with Carol Levin, who from Clear, Clearview Brumby Rescue, I can't wait to talk to her, and Tim Neal from Data Farming. Um, so I'm looking forward to catching up with all our guests this morning. If you missed any of our shows, Spotify is where you can get and download our show. And a very good morning to everybody. Bit of rain around, eh? Raining heavily this morning uh, in the eastern, s- southeast parts of the state. Uh, I'm talking to people this morning at Taroom, very heavy rain throughout there and, and, and a lot of rain coming through another band. So my thoughts are with a lot of the people who are trying to get their crops off at the moment. Through 4SB in Kingaroy, 4ZR Roma, 4VL in Charleville, 4HI in Emerald, 4LM Mount Isa, 4LG Longreach, 4GC Charters Towers and the Hot Country Network. Good morning to you. Hope you are all well. Let's take and go straight to Warren Honky. The Primac uh, reunion was on. Let's have a bit of fun to start up with. Honk joins us next. He's not far away. This is Rural Queensland Today. Welcome back to Rural Queensland Today on this Tuesday morning. Melbourne Cup Day, the 1st of November. Over the weekend, we talked about this uh, around about six weeks ago, uh, the Primac Guru's um, annual yearly reunion. Well, the Guru's co-founder is Warren Honky, and last weekend it took place. Honk, good morning. How are you, mate? No doubt morning, still recovering. Mate. Still recovering, I suspect. Oh, mate. Oh, no, not too bad, mate. Not too bad, not too bad. How'd it go, <laughs> mate? No, it was bloody good, mate, actually. It's, uh, we didn't get as many this year, but a lot of different people this time, and um, it was yeah, I had a great time again. But, yeah, we did. We sort of had a few less people, but a lot of different people, so it was really good. A lot of legends there, like... Keith McRobert, me and Lovegrove and Terry Lansky and, uh, you know, Jerry O'Sullivan, Ray Brown, like a lot of new faces there. So that was really good. So, yeah, no, it was a, it was a good afternoon. So, mate, you whereabouts did you host it? We just had at the City Golf Club there at Swamba. Yep. Yeah, just, just in there. We tried to make it a bit central, but we're, you know, we're thinking we probably should go further north. There's a lot of blokes who, who, didn't, who wanted to come and couldn't get there, and, they, you know, they're up in the north there, so... We, uh, you know, we've got to think about whether we move not further north to try to get a few more of those boys in to the fair few up that way. Yeah, the thing about it is you might be able to hold a uh, hold a couple of functions, but I mean, the exciting thing is that you're getting a lot of the great sto- stock and station agents and people who were in there for a little bit who worked for Primac or Mac- Primaries or McTaggarts, and when they merged um, th- to form Primac, um, you, you're getting all those all those people that have an enormous amount of history and 
and who absolutely loved the loved that company together. And, yeah. and that's the big thing, isn't it? Oh yeah, mate, that's right. And that's, you know, so everyone had a great time, and uh, I said a lot of new faces. And we have an option. We have because you know we're fundraising to keep the website. You know, all that sort of costs money. So we sort of uh, we've got the website where all the history is being preserved, and um, uh, we're looking at going into a museum into, into Miles Museum uh, there and, and putting a lot of memorabilia and. And having one of those, you know, the flash screens, that, you know, talk about the company and that sort of thing. So that all costs money. So we had an auction where we got a few of the old legends like Keith McRobert and uh, Noel Grant and Billy Edwards and Dennis Connor and Vic Perkins. All the old boys got up and had a bit of a thing, uh, in a bit of a sell, which was really, you know, it was a bit of fun too. So it, it was uh, it was a good afternoon. You raised a bit of money to, to pay for a few things like that. How much money are you trying to raise every year, Honk, to try and keep? I mean, oh. this is a phenomenal thing. What what, what is it? You need five grand a year? What what what, what oh. do you need? Yeah, I couldn't tell you. I'm not the treasurer, mate. Oh, Carol Jarrett, she's our treasurer. She's a she's a bit of a threat for a long time. Carol, she's a Brisbane now. She's a treasurer. Oh, yeah, oh, you know, we haven't sort of got into what pricing, but yeah, just keeping the website. You know, it costs like twelve hundred dollars to keep a website, host the website, and that sort of thing. You know, like the people who do stuff to the website. You know, we've we've sort of got now. We've got we we're sending out monthly. Uh, like a lot of people don't have. have you know, we're sending out. Uh, our meeting, uh, monthly meeting um, minutes and that for the members. We, you know, we're trying to grow the membership too is what we're trying to grow. Um, so that's growing, you know, slowly. Yep. We've got to pay, you know, $30, $30 a year membership and that's, you know, to me that's not, not a lot of money for to preserve a bit of that history and uh, keep everything keep everything running along. So got a few new members as well, but there's a lot of people there that aren't members yet. So, yeah, still a slow process, but getting there. Unbelievable. Uh, mate, what's the best thing? I mean, this has only opened up, and I mean, I, I, I was a Primac Elders employee, and I can't get a, can't get a start there. But, you know, it, it is it is a really great thing for the legends of the game. And you talked about, like, the you know, Keith McRobert, you know, Dennis Cotter, Vic Perkins, Noel Grant, Bill Edwards, all these legends, you know, that were there and people there. And, I mean, there, there would have been a lot that just through timing and everything couldn't be there. But is this an annual thing or, a, you know, Twice a year, or what, what? What's the what's the plan? Well, that's where they sort of yeah. So it's definitely going to be an annual thing because you know, the, I think there's you know, like uh, Ian Lovegrave. I think he's eighty five. I think Noel Grant was telling me so, and still he's still getting around yards uh, doing something of that with that degree. But you know, there's uh, you're not getting any younger. Like I'm one of the youngest pups. You know, like there's uh, Josh Lockwood who was uh, he would have to be one of the youngest Primac pups. All together, yeah, little Joshy. Oh, yeah. he turned up. Here's the thing with the young pup ever since. So it's uh, getting where you know no one's getting any younger. So we sort of got to probably keep it going while those old fellas are still enjoying it and uh, you know still still on the two feet. Yeah, well, th- there you go. I mean, you talked about Terry Lansky and, and people like that. That absolutely iconic. Um, and I think that would be a phenomenal thing if the proposed. Um, Miles Historical Museum were able to, to 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 put a section in there dedicated to, to Primac to Primac because I think that to me um, you know is a fitting place and obviously there's a lot a lot of people go through there I mean you know some would say also maybe if the Stockman's Hall of Fame wanted to take it on because it was an iconic iconic brand yeah. but I, I bet I, you know the the talk of all that kind of stuff. Uh, mate, really enjoyed the, the fact that you're able to do this again and, and anything we can do on this show to help, we'd love to help you. Now, today yeah. is always a big day for you with the Melbourne Cup. Um, <laughs> surely you've got a little tip somewhere. I mean, you, you, you're oh. great PJD, mate. He, he would have something oh. on the go. Surely you know <laughs> what's happening today. Oh, the Melbourne Cup, mate, that's like bloody, you know, 
throwing a marble down the thing. I don't know who's going to who's going to end up, mate. But uh, yeah, Montefiore, mate, Montefiore. There you go. There you go. Yeah, I, there you knew, go. I knew, I knew you'd be good for one. Uh, Warren Honky, uh, yeah. uh, appreciate yeah, it, but don't, mate. Don't, don't take that. The hell, no. All care, no responsibility for that one. <laughs> Yeah, I don't think anybody's going to hang their hat on what you're saying this morning on this show. <laughs> Appreciate your time, mate, um, and I'm pleased it went well. Um, and, mate, just if people want to get in contact, if, if, God forbid there's somebody who has did, didn't realise this was going on, what's the best way for people to get in contact? What's your Facebook page and everything like that? Yeah, the, uh, the, uh, the, just the Facebook page, the Prime Gurus. If you, you look there, set up, they'll come straight up there and um, – and then you can just message us, uh, you know, message us and we'll uh, get back in touch, yeah, so. Perfect. All right. The best way. Yeah, mm. fantastic. Really appreciate your time this morning. Well, Thank you so much for being with us. Yeah. Warren Honky, mate. And thanks for giving us a bit of exposure, Dobbo, and have a good day, mate. Good on you. This is Rural Queensland Today. It's Tuesday morning, the 1st of November, across the Resonate Broadcast Network. You're with Ben Dobbin. Richard Forbes joins us next. Welcome back to Rural Queensland today on the Resonate Broadcast Network. Chief Executive Officer for Independent Food Distributors of Australia is Richard Forbes. He joins us this morning as Brisbane uh, is in the global spotlight for agricultural talks. Uh, More than 100 leading thinkers are expected to talk across several high-level events to discuss the future of sustainable and resilient food systems. Pretty special place this Queensland is. And Richard joins us this morning. Thanks for being with us, mate. Yeah, good day, Ben. Uh, look, there, there is definitely we are at a, a fork in the road and we are, in my belief, really taking the right steps um, to look at how our future looks for the agricultural industry and how we can continue to have these supply chains um, and also be able to, you know, mitigate the attacks that come from climate change and, and the high energy costs and the instability and the labour shortages, they're all huge factors, but the biggest thing is that we're that we are addressing them. Yeah, that's right. And um, I think of all the things to come out of the, the pandemic, you know, people talk about all the negatives and rightly so, but one of the positives is that there's been disruptions um, globally and domestically to our supply chain. So the Food Supply Chain Alliance was formed and it really is a representation of nine national food industry bodies. And we came up with four pillars, and one of them was labour shortages, and we worked out across the supply chain. We were short about 170,000 workers. One of the other pillars was the supply chain itself. What are the learnings? And I guess when you think about the fact that we've had empty shelves for consumers in the city, uh, in the supermarket, that was the real spotlight moment. And it basically said... The supply chain in Australia, like any other country, is like a jigsaw puzzle. And we feel right now, with the number of natural disasters we're having, the, uh, the forecasts from the state of the climate report that they're not going to go anywhere in the future. We've got geopolitical tensions, you know, uh, in Russia, Ukraine. You know, we don't know what's going to, to come at us from the rest of the world and how that's going to disrupt um, our food system. So we thought, right, we've we've really all got to get together and we've got to start examining and analysing how food gets from the farm right through to the plate. And that's what this is all about. So can we talk about when you get your four pillars and and you look at these and and you get this, and you're right about when, when we had the food shortages, I don't think anybody fully understood just how reliant we are on agriculture and our supply chain and if we don't 
have systems in place, it, it, it would see like that. It was like a, a – we all knew it, but it was like to the general public of the southeast of Australia, on the eastern seaboard of Australia, it was like, okay, well, now you, are, now you understand the importance of making sure that we've got everything – under control and we, we, we know that our farmers are right, we know that our, our trucking, our packaging, our abattoirs, all these systems need to be in place and you talked about the jigsaw but you talk about there's some things we just can't control. We can't control the political landscape and, and what goes on around the world but we certainly can supply uh, control trying to address labour shortages and they're a huge factor as well. Do you guys look into into these kind of things in your pillars and go, okay, well, let's come up with some solutions around this or is it more identifying that and going to our leaders, our political leaders and, and showing them these are the risks if you continue to go down a path? I think it's a bit of both, Ben. Um, I think that one of the things that the, the Alliance has been able to establish is that we can't just think about agriculture on its own and we can't just think about retail on its own. We need to look at the food supply chain in Australia and say, right, domestic, in the domestic market, farmers will sell raw ingredients to suppliers who will process it, who will then send, uh, sell it to my members who are distributors, sure. largely independent family-owned businesses. They own warehouses and they sell their product to about 60,000 commercial venues that makes up the hospitality industry. Um, and then, of course, food is also sp- um, sold to independent supermarkets. And then you've got Coles and Woolies. Woolies. So we can't look at one particular cog in the food supply chain wheel anymore. We have to get together and we have to say, right, if there is a flood in... Um, Queensland or in New South Wales or in Victoria, um, or if there is a bushfire, what are the ramifications of that? And what, what I mean by that is we need to look at what food is grown at what time of year and where. Uh, what are our transport systems? What do the networks look like? So, you know, all of the trucks on the road at any, any time of day, where are they going and what are they delivering? We don't have a proper understanding of that. And I think once we map out the food system so that if governments know that a certain type of food is grown at a certain time of year and those crops have just been flooded, they can help prepare and plan themselves. But we can also inform the community better. And at the moment, that's not working. We can also look at things like You know, we have a very underdeveloped processing sector out in regional Australia. So what can governments do to incentivise the establishment of more processing plants so that we can value-add raw ingredients? All of these types of things can reduce the amount of food that's imported into Australia. So there's a whole range of things we need to look at through the food supply chain which is why we welcome the announcement last Friday of the establishment of a food security inquiry. And that really is looking at the supply chain, how it works, um, and how we can ensure and stabilise food prices into the city by having a better understanding of how the food supply chain works in this country. And at the moment, honestly... We don't have that knowledge. Oh, and we don't have it at the moment. I mean, every single day I hear in Brisbane people saying, gee whiz, groceries are getting dearer. Um, we, we, and and I suppose in a lot of ways, Richard, you would like to try and stabilise the food fluctuations and try and get a 
consistent, dependable product that, you know, within within reason is, you know, is consistently there at a price where everybody can get it, take a bit of skin out of it. Yeah, that's right. And I think that ultimately the more efficient the supply chain from paddock to plate, um, it's better for farmers, it's better for suppliers and distributors, and it will certainly be better for consumers. Because as I said at the very start, <coughs> excuse me, this ain't going anywhere. No. I mean, we've had three natural disasters in three years. The State of, state of the Climate Report, um, which is done by the CSIRO and the Bureau, Bureau of Meteorology, it takes a medium to long-term view of climate. It's basically saying more prolonged periods in drought, heavier rainfall events and more extreme fire days. Yeah. That's what's coming in Australia. So that means that if we don't look at um, the impact of those food disruptions on the community, that we're not really doing our job. We have to we have to plan for the future. We have to have a resilient agricultural sector, but a resilient supply chain at the same time. Yeah, well said. Um, interesting. What to from now? And you're pushing this, obviously, when you formed. And you've got all these letters, and now that there is an inquiry into this, how long does that take till we get some dead set answers and results? Well, the, the submissions for this inquiry um, uh, have to be in by uh, the 9th of December, so that's a fairly short time frame, and we welcome that. We, we've we've got, to, got to get on top of this thing because because of all the factors we've just talked about. I don't think that um, the um, House of Reps Parliamentary Standing Committee for Agriculture will have called for this inquiry unless they did uh, feel that uh, it was as important as we we believe it to be so. So I think recommendations from those submissions will probably occur in the first three months of next year yep. and we'll be certainly holding government to account and saying, well, and this should be bipartisan, by the way, 100%. Labor and government. Yeah. coalition, we need to ensure the recommendations are implemented and that's going to be our job. Yeah, I appreciate your time. I think uh, we'll definitely talk again. You make a lot of sense and, and they're very, very, very important issues because we actually need to have this happen sooner rather than later. Chief Executive Officer for the Independent Food Distributors of Australia, Richard Forbes, appreciate your time this morning on Rural Queensland today. Thanks for your interest, Ben. Good on you. We'll take a break, come back with more. This is Rural Queensland today on the Resonate Broadcast Network. Welcome back to Rural Queensland today. It's the 1st of November, Tuesday morning. Clearview Brumby Rescue. Sounds interesting. Maureen Levin joins us this morning from Clearview Brumby Rescue and she joins us uh, and we're really thankful to have you. Uh, Maureen, good morning and how are you? Good morning, guys. I'm very well, thank you. So yourself and uh, your partner, Paul Johnston, uh, established Clearview Brumby Rescue at Thangool in 2021. Am I right in saying that or 2020? 2020, mate. Yeah, off the back of what? Um, obviously, there's been a lot of controversy in in New South Wales, in Mount Kosciuszko, where they've been declared, uh, Brumbies have been declared feral animals and they've got a wild horse heritage, heritage management plan and we've seen some of the footage. It's just horrific. Absolutely yeah. horrific. You guys have started this, and and obviously now you're trying to inspire and, and get some of these horses to, to rescue them. That's correct. I'm from the high country, and my husband, uh, Paul, he's a light horseman, this light horseman. Yep. So uh, we're very passionate about the, the Brumbies, 
um, and their heritage value to Australia. Um, this country was built on the back of these horses' ancestors, so they're really important to us. Um, when the parks said that they were going to do a full-scale um, trapping program after the 2019 fires, we stepped up and said we'd take five um, just to start. Like That was just our, our prerequisite we were taking. However, just before the COVID lockdowns, um, the first one, they called us and said they had um, our horses ready, but we couldn't make it in time to get them um, because the borders were closing. So we ended up getting them shipped up and we got 15 and that started us off. Um, the fact that people here in Queensland started calling and saying how they desperately wanted to get one, but they couldn't because it's a minimum of five that you have to take. Um, we said, look, okay, if there's enough people up here that uh, are willing to take them on and give them good homes and give them the opportunity, we'll bring them up. So it cost us $9,500 alone to bring the horses up here to Queensland, which we pay out of our own pocket. Um, and then we rehomed the horses from up here. So you, you, you've been bringing 15 at a time. No, we bring 32 at a time now. 32 at a time now. Okay. Mm -hmm. Firstly, congratulations. Phenomenal. Absolutely awesome. Can I ask this? What ages are they? And and firstly, when they arrive, they've never been caught before or or trapped. And the fear in the Brumbies by the time they get to you you at Thangool must be harrowing for them. How do you go about rehoming them? calming them, and what's the process? Are they are they broken in to be ridden? What's the process? Okay, well, basically, when they arrive to us, yes, you're right, they've never been touched by a human, but they come here and, honestly, they walk off the truck, calm as cucumbers. Um, they go into the yard. They're very flighty for the first 48 hours or so. You know, some of them have got more of a flight mode than others. Um, some of them, within 24 hours of being in the yard, um, will just come straight up to you. It's just amazing to see. The temperaments are just phenomenal. Um, you know, we've got um, everything ranging from um, young foals, six, eight months and so on, um, up to 14-year-old, herd, 15-year-old herd stallions. Um, a young lass that's 19, she got a 14-year-old herd stallion, had him under saddle in nine weeks, and he's now jumping in pony club and doing wonderful things. We've got, you know, 10-year-old stallions that have got 12-year-olds riding them now at the Springshaw Show. Um, we've got um, 15-year-old mares that are just absolutely to die for here. We've got um, a 25-year-old um, Brumby stallion that came in completely, really, really high-strung, couldn't eat for a couple of weeks after he'd been here, um, seemed to have an abscess in his mouth, lost a lot of weight. We got him in to gelding and uh, found that he was over 25 years old. Um, he's been here for less than 12 months. He now get, comes out, the NDIS people come out with their um, people from town um, and he stands there and lets them brush him and, you know, just love him up and he's just like a puppy dog now. He is just such a beautiful boy. Their natures are something that we do not find anymore. They are so trusting. They are so giving once they realise that they're safe. Um, and, um, and, and their ability to, to be able to be used for any discipline is just amazing. You know, they, they've got agility, they've got strength, they've got intelligence that you just don't find in domestic horses anymore because they're taught to think from the moment they're born. They have that 
instinct to be able to just go. Um, and they just, once you earn their trust, they just blossom. Yeah, there. So th- this is a phenomenal story. And I-, I need to say thank you to you because, I mean, what you are doing is changing um, a lot of people's lives as well as these beautiful animals. Now, uh, are they still, is there still this trapping process going on? At the moment in the high country, and are you still are you still bringing thirty two horses at a time up? Yes, we are. Yes, we are. We have um, horses in the yards at the present moment. I've got mares with foals at foot and so on at the moment. Um, we are heading out on Sunday to Melbourne for Equitana, yep. um, which has been a three year um, process. Um, we're going down there to represent the Brumbies and to I've uh, united um, rehomers from all over the east coast of Australia. Um, to get there and actually really promote them. Parks Victoria and Parks New South Wales are hell-bent on getting the horses born from the mountains. Um, I don't understand why. None of us do. However, the only option I've got now is to save as many as I can. Um, they're just so worth it. They really, really are. And they, they are shooting them now if we don't rehome them. So it's imperative that I find as many homes and as many people willing to, to give these guys a chance that I can. How many? How, how do people get in contact with you? The, the, I mean, what, what's the process here? My phone number can be passed out to everybody. Um, anybody that wishes to get on board, they have to contact me. Um, I do not just answer messages and stuff like that. People have to speak to me. It's imperative that I actually speak and they understand what they need, what their requirements are to be able to handle and to learn how to do this. Um, you don't need to be an expert horseman. I've got a seven-year-old that's, um, you know, broken her own, own um, yearling pony, you know, like just, yeah, she's not under saddle, but she's, you know, she handled her, she got a rug, she, she, you know, she did the whole lot herself. Seven years old. Unbelievable. Um, so, <laughs> um, so we've got um, a multitude of options for people, but people must have a set of yards. It's imperative that they must have a set of yards, round yard, portable panels or something like that. I say to people a minimum of four weeks in the yard to get them to bond with you, get them you know, halted leading and picking up their feet is the bare basics. And then they can go out into a normal paddock. Um, then from there, I do say to people, it's imperative that if you don't want to learn bad habits, that you try to fence off your water source in your paddock so that it's an easy catch. Each You bring them back into the training and you continue their training from that. It's a very simple process. But um, it's important that people do understand these horses are not like domestic horses. Uh, you throw the, the real books out, the window when you go to train them, each horse is individual, each person's individual. Um, you take a little bit of everything that you know and, and that works for you, put it together and, and hey, if it doesn't work, change it up a bit. <laughs> yeah. But, gee, you would have seen some great results, wouldn't you? Do you have a Facebook page at all? Uh, Yes, we do. We have Clearview Brumby Rescue Facebook page. Um, we don't have a website or anything like that. I just literally don't have time for that sort of thing. But people can contact us there. They can send us messages. Um, and basically, you get the Brumby for free. We have a $600 fee on each Brumby to help us try to recoup the $9,000 cost that we get up to get them up here. And then we have a basic fee um, of their vet fee. So um, mares and fillies, um, it's $200 for branding and microchipping and for boys it's gelding branding and microchipping for six hundred dollars um this is uh to protect the brums it's a very important yeah, the I brand agree. is reg- 
Yeah, the brand is registered to us um, and uh, they are for a lifetime recognised as being Kosciuszko Brumby. So, you know, they just look like a normal horse when you look at them. But if you go out there and say, that's got a K on it, that's a Kosciuszko Brumby. Um, so the microchips then also protect them as well because they're registered into their owner's names. I love um, that. So they... Yeah. So these are things that we do. So um, basically people get the Brumby for free. They are only paying for their transport course. Now, we also deliver them all over Queensland. So when we have, I mean, my, Paul and I spend something like, you know, 26 hours sometimes in a truck delivering horses all over Queensland in our own truck. Unreal. So Unreal. it's um, it's a it's a huge effort. Uh, we don't get many donations or anything like that. So everything is off our own back. You know, our feed costs and all the rest of the things that we have to do here. Um, but yeah, we do it because we're passionate about them. We love them and we know they're worth. We know what they can do and what they can achieve. And the joy that you see on people's faces when they get these horses is just absolutely amazing. Um, the love and, and that <clears throat> everything that they give you is just phenomenal. And their loyalty is just something that I just can't explain to people. Clearview, Brumby Rescue Queensland, they are on Facebook and uh, Maureen's mobile is 0428 115128, 0428 115128. We really appreciate you coming on this morning. Great story and we will pass on your details to everyone. What a phenomenal story that is and you are a hero. Uh, just a great, great thing that you are doing, you and your husband, Paul. We really appreciate your time this morning. Thank you, guys. Muchly appreciate it. Good Thank on you. you. Rural Queensland today on the Resonate Broadcast Network. What a fantastic story. We'll take a break, come back with more. Welcome back to Rural Queensland today on the Resonate Broadcast Network. Very lucky to have Tim Neal joining us. And obviously, Tim is a big part of something that is very special, Managing Director of Data Farming. They are working in, in conjunction with Spiral Blue to trial to reduce the amount of satellite data transmitted to the earth. Quite technical, but very, very important. Tim, good morning. Thank you so much for being with us. Yeah, thanks very much for having me. Mate, let's talk about it. Obviously, um, you've joined forces with another satellite company, two Australian companies, to try and reduce the amount of satellite information being transmitted to Earth. Firstly, why, and why is this such a benefit to the ag industry? Yeah, it's a good question, and yeah, it is very technical, right? Over the last few years, especially last year and the and the year before, there's been a about a twenty five percent increase in the number of satellites flying above us every every year. So, the you know the launching is um, is is happening very quickly. So, there's a lot of there's a lot more satellites being launched. Yep, and of course, with all sorts of technology, there's a there's a lot more information being gathered. So the resolution of the data that's being captured from satellite is dramatically increasing. You know, only a few years ago, um, you know, the, the the pixel resolution of the satellite, you know, uh, was, you know, sort of several metres. Now we're talking tens of centimetres. Yep. So we've got a massive increase in the number of satellites, the resolution of the satellites, and also the information they collect. Yeah, so... These are obviously being used. So obviously for ag data and, and you know, for for all these zero turn and, and for all these mapping and or everything that we use in agriculture, there is a lot up there and you, you, we are now more, more than ever reliant. Merging two together, two companies together, what do you hope to achieve? 
Yeah, so the, the, the really exciting piece of this is that a company called Spiral Blue, um, a good Aussie company out of Sydney, actually puts the, the, the processing chips on board the spacecraft. So normally, normally we would download all the data to the ground, all the images, and we'd process them, you know, in the well, either on, uh, you know, on your own computers or in what we call the cloud, which is the the sort of the internet processing. But now with this capability, you're basically putting a supercomputer on the edge of a satellite. So the data is actually getting processed up in space, which is. Uh, very, very novel way of dealing with it because, you know, instead of beaming all that data down to the ground uh, and processing it here, we're now just asking, you know, the, the onboard computer to actually do that processing for us and therefore only sending us the result. And so what we found is with some um, work we've been doing in the canola industry is that we're able to achieve a 99% re- reduction in the amount of data that we're sending to the ground because it's, it's all happening up in space. Uh, seems pretty far out there, but uh, this is the kind of technology we need uh, to reduce this data volume. Um, as you can imagine, you know the, the cost to store this data is is incredibly high, and it's only going to get more as as I talked about. The, the resolution is getting better, the number of satellites is increasing, and the quality of that information is increasing. So we've seen data volumes jump massively. So this kind of technology is really going to help us manage the cost and the, and the data volumes coming down. And the other exciting thing for agriculture is that we could basically get near real-time processing. So say take, for example, these floods that we've got right now, we could run a flood mapping um, um, algorithm, if you like, or calculation that could be me- measuring that flood area as the satellite flies over. So that's the kind of excitement that we've we've got in front of us. So potential flood damage that, that could be – Perceived, you could look at the water, say, or let's just say at the headwaters at Kalani or Warwick, and then obviously in a couple of days look at a Dolby and know what it's going to look like at Condamine potentially. Like that's what you're saying, and that yeah. and, and that that kind of data gets spat out straight away, so people would be able to look at where they're moving their stock and 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 likewise whether or not crops are going to be affected. You, you name it. Yeah, so that it's just bringing more of a real time. Um, capability um, to to the data that we're collecting, and there's you know there's so many things we can determine from satellite now, like the crop types, the you know things like flooding. Um, you know there's there's a whole heap of other um, sort of calculations we can do. You know um, this this has also been used in other industries as well for things like detecting ships uh, automatically, sure. so that in, instead of actually you know. Uh, downloading all of the data, processing it all and working out where all the shipping lanes are or where the ships are at the moment. It could be doing that on board the spacecraft and just sending down the, the you know, the X and Y coordinate of that ship. Yeah, it's a pretty exciting time, isn't it, to be honest? Um, and there is a lot of a lot of uh, upside to this long term, um, in my opinion. I mean, you look up to 30,000 uh, farms at the moment, they use data data farming uh, crop monitoring tools, that like real-time satelliting, rapid auto-zoning um, of paddocks, multi-year analysis and all these kind of things. Do you expect, obviously, w- will there be an increase or with this kind of information and, and this kind of um, this chip that you're using to get real-time data up uh, up in the sky, will that hold the cost or potentially reduce it long-term? Well, 
you know, like all technology, yeah. pretty much it reduces in price. And what we're seeing is, you know, due to that increase in the number of satellites flying around, we're getting better quality data uh, for lower cost and it's coming more frequently. So, you know, it's, it's all good news for, for agriculture in terms of being able to monitor our crops and pastures in much more real time with much better quality information. So, yeah, exciting times ahead and, and definitely the cost is reducing and um, the availability is increasing. So our use cases as a result will only increase uh, and the, the benefits to agriculture of, of all the data that we're collecting, you know, uh, is going to increase. Um, and, and I guess, you know, agriculture really has embraced digital technologies un- unlike many, you know, city folk probably think. So it, it is a great time to be in the industry and, and to, to actually use this data that's, um, you know, to help manage our our crops and pastures in, in pretty tough times. Yeah, it certainly would, and, and it's awesome. Um, this is not bound just for Australia. Surely this could be a game changer for yourselves, and I love this kind of story worldwide. This could be a real a real tool for you guys worldwide. Yeah, uh, most of the satellites we use now are capturing pretty much the whole the whole globe uh, every few days. So um, this this technology is definitely globally scalable. So. Um, yeah, which is really exciting for us to expand in, into other markets as well. Tim, people wanting to get in contact with you, they just uh, go to data farming and, and obviously get in contact with you who would like to use some of your um, your gear and your satellite technology? Yeah, so it's, it's free to sign up and use the base product um, on our platform. So just, yeah, log on to the data farming website. Awesome. Great to chat. Fantastic. And and something really positive um, and a a tool that is really capable now. Really appreciate your time this morning. Thanks very much. Good on you. Tim Neal, Data Farming Managing Director. We'll take a break. Come back. Rural Queensland today. That's it from us here this morning on Rural Queensland today, the 1st of November. Yep, it's the 1st of November. Unbelievable. Hey, listen, Enjoy the Melbourne Cup, Queensland, and I hope you have a fantastic day. And if you're back a winner, I I wish you all the best. So much to get through, as we always do on Rural Queensland today. Ray Hadley is to join you next. Have a great day, Queensland, and from all the team here at Rural Queensland today, remember when the weed is ripe, you keep those headers rolling in the paddock. We'll talk to you tomorrow from nine.